Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in construction and various other industries. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies, three years in a row. The main purpose of this podcast is to inspire and create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. I'm super excited about today's guest. He is a 2002 graduate of Williamson College of the Trades, which was founded in 1888. And I've actually just recently learned about the, that college, which is actually in Delaware County, right across the bridge from where I'm at which we're going to get into later. But if you don't know anything about Williamson College of the Trades, you got to check out their history, which we're going to be touching on. Very, very cool stuff. Sean Henderson, welcome to the show. Nick, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. And I kind of started, started you out from the beginning. Now, why did you decide to take the Williamson College of the Trades path? What steered you that way? Well, Kind of a uh, mess up kid from Southwest Philly. You didn't have many options. It was Williamson or the Army. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Air Force was going to be the way I was going to go if I didn't get in. But um, no, I mean, for a school that was built for underprivileged youth of Philadelphia, it was a path that uh, was presented to me my junior year at West Catholic. Mm. Never thought I'd go. But after a year after West, had a lot of family issues. Parents got divorced. Parents basically said, find a place to live. Ended up moving in with my now wife, with her, her and her mother, mm-hmm. working in electrostatic refinishing that first summer. And uh, I got a phone call finally saying, hey, you've been accepted. You had two weeks to get here. <laughs> and it was, uh, I tell you, it, it was, you know, a, a journey in my life that uh, I can't say enough about the school and, and what it means to me and what it means to this industry in whole. Yeah. I mean, just the more and more I read about it and and just, you know, on the website, I mean, they have... Construction technology for carpentry and masonry. They have horticulture, which is, you know, landscaping, turf management. They have machine tools technology. They have paint and coatings technology and power plant technology. And you took up paint and coatings technology, right? Correct. Why did you choose that? That was the only shop I could get into at the time. Okay. I wanted to go in for carpentry. Masonry mm-hmm. was my second, paint was my third. They only had okay. enough room for paint, so I just grabbed it. And, you know, the school, you don't have to, you know, use the trade that you get, but it's a good thing to have in your back. If something failed, I could always, you know, join the union or if you don't want to bridge sandblasting or become an inspector. But I just took what I could get from the school and I concentrated more on the construction technology courses, mm-hmm. which were the same that the Masons and the Carpentry guys got. And uh, I took that and ran with it, you know, ran a different direction. Did you see that you had a passion there? Did you like, did you feel like you had that early on or? Like- I felt like I wanted to be an estimator. Okay. So when I graduated, <laughs> when I graduated, I continued with the electrostatic refinishing until January of 03, when I got a phone call from Brian Hassel, who uh, was a manager at George Kemp Supply. 
Mm-hmm. They were looking for somebody with a coatings degree to come in and help with their concrete restoration and exterior insulated finish system division. Okay. So I ran that direction for a while and then fell in love with drywall. Didn't work out, you know, for, you know, for a couple of years. I left to uh, become an estimator, which is what I thought my passion was. And after four months, I realized I'm not the kind of guy that can sit in an office all day looking at prints <laughs> and play. For my, that's not my personality. Oh, I can feel you there, man. So I left, I left there and went to Wyatt Incorporated as a purchasing manager in Philadelphia. And I mm-hmm. did that knowing I wanted to get back into building materials distribution. Yeah. I wanted to see it from the contractor's eyes. So I spent two years as a purchasing manager, meeting all types of sales reps, but more importantly, learning what commercial carpentry contractors need, what, what they expect, just really getting a better understanding of that side of the fence. And then started at Steve Kempf in uh, September of 06 and was there for 14 years. Yep. And just to give some history on Sean and I, we connected on LinkedIn about five years ago or so, right, Sean? Yeah, I think you played um, baseball with a buddy of mine at Temple, Chris Joyce, God rest okay. his soul, passed away a few years ago. And I think that's how we first started talking. And then we got into your history a little bit and then where MPC was going and yeah, started touching base about certain people we knew and just kind yep. of, like, you know, been history from there. And been doing business indirectly. I mean, as a GC, we don't really self-perform our company, so everything is subbed out, but we've certainly done some business indirectly and uh, our relationship's been been a great one. But just to talk, just to circle back, after you finished school, you went to George Kempf in 2003, and then you went to Wyatt Incorporated you were there for about two years, right? As a purchasing manager, which you kind of touched on. And I think you kind of figured out which direction you were wanted to go there. And then you went to Stephen Kempf, which you were there for almost 14 years, yeah, correct? Yep. And uh, currently now you are at Bell Supply, which is very recent, right? Yes. Yeah, Steve Kempf sold the company back in um, about five years ago. He retired a little over two and a half years ago, was bought out by a company called Gypsum Management and Supply. And my loyalty was always to Steve. So I didn't see the upward mobility anymore when Steve left. So I just kind of looked at other options. And, you know, a guy who was with Steve Kemp from day one came over here in uh, January of last year. He's like a big brother to me. And it was an easy decision to come follow him and continue my trek on one of the most respected guys in this industry, uh, Jim Walmer. Yeah. Now I hear you. To just go back to Williamson College of the Trades, because I'm still fascinated, man you know, fascinated on, on what they've, what they've been doing, you know, how they were founded, what they, you know, what they stand for. They have a 13 to one ratio students to teacher, which is awesome. And their enrollment each year is only from what I've read about 265 students. Yeah, they only take in about a hundred boys a year. Okay. So, and you have about a one, one in 10 chance. It's usually about a thousand to 1500 young men that apply. Mm-hmm. So you've got to go through an application process, an interview process. You have to take the ASVAB, which is the Armed Services Vocational and Battery Test. Okay. Uh, and that's where they make their decisions on. Um, they do play a part with income, but they're also looking for you know motivated young men that want to make a difference. Yeah. And then the curriculum, as far as whatever you take, mm-hmm. it's just three years, correct? Three years. That's it. Yeah, you end up with uh, three years. They've gotten rid of their diploma programs and they've changed everything into associate programs. And they've mm-hmm. actually got some reciprocity now with uh, Rowan University. Got uh, it. Henry Rowan was a, uh, he's a big contributor to Williamson. I think he donated a couple hundred million dollars to the school 
I started reading that on LinkedIn. Yeah, it, it's really, really neat. And started connecting with some of the um, uh, Williamson, Corey Jackson, who we touched on. I know, I know prior to the interview, you, who you said you know very well. You know, I connect with him on on LinkedIn and I've talked to another young lady there. And it's just very, very neat what they're doing. And and uh, like I said, I didn't know too much about it two years ago. So I, I've, I've been, it's very recent to me. So when I learned that you were a graduate, I think I knew you probably about three years or so. And I didn't even know you were a graduate. When I learned, I'm like, oh, got to have this guy on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great institution, um, you know, and, and the fact that we're now probably 10 years into a 30 year problem of workforce development. Yeah. Not just, you know, tradespeople, but, you know, supervision and leadership as well. And really starting to see a problem with getting people back into the trades. And that's what happens when governments decide to push people to four year educations instead of, and closing shop and technical programs in high schools. No doubt about it. No doubt about it, man. So let's talk about the industry you're in right now, which is obviously construction, but it's, you know, that you're an outside sales representative and you've demonstrated a, in a long history of working in building materials and you know, building materials very well. Um, let's talk about the industry dilemma that we're going through right now. I mean, where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's due to significant demand, right? I mean, that's, well, there's only two sectors of the industry that are due to significant demand. That's lumber and, mm-hmm. and those two, sectors of our industry are really run by the residential market. Now we have residential starts over 1.2 million going on right now. That is going to eat up what's available. Compound that with COVID. Yeah. Letdowns. Yeah. That's why price escalation on the lumber side is just insane. Mm. Now gypsum just announced a temporary 20% increase for April. They will be announcing another one for some time this summer. And we've gone from where here at Bell, we could take, between a mixture of three manufacturers, you know, 30 to 40 trucks a week, you know, we're down to maybe getting 20. It's, wow. it, it, it's hard. Um, and now we have a latex issue where uh, the state of Texas obviously had the, uh, the infrastructure problems with their, you know, once in a millennium winter storm that they get. So now latex uh, facilities have been shut down. So now, you know, any finishing products, including paint, are going to be extended lead times. We just wow. received notice today that USG uh, Midweight, which is their purple lid, they don't have any, <laughs> and they're not going to have any for uh, for at least the next six to eight weeks. Wow. I mean, you can validate this. You know, I, I read articles, and and you know, we're on the same social media platforms. You know, you read dimensional lumber, one hundred seventy percent, one hundred eighty percent increases. Is that accurate? Yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, you take a piece of the. Uh, you know, just like half inch CDX plywood, which is your standard everyday half inch plywood running around $12, $13 a sheet back uh, before COVID hit. Yeah. Probably paying for that same piece of plywood right now over $40. Insane. And then metal studs. Well, that's that. Now that's a, that's a totally different issue. We had tariffs put in place, as we know, uh, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. where only 25% of imports can come in. Uh, what China did was they stopped milling for our raw materials and raise the world commodity price. With that, the U.S. domestic mills have been raising prices for two years to the manufacturers. They have not been able to pass those on until recently now that they have a coil shortage. So right now, studs are up about 60% come, mm-hmm. or will be up 70% come May. And as of this afternoon, one of the 
major manufacturers have announced another 10% increase <laughs> oh, for metal framing in June. And it's going to wow. keep going through the summer until we, until coil demand actually, um, you know, becomes relevant. It's, it's, they just can't get it. And that was my next question is when do you see it stopping? You know, uh, <laughs> when, like, is this just going to continue through the summer, through the end of the year? Yeah. You believe? Yeah. I think, I think right now it's, it's not, it's not hard pressed to think that this is going to continue all through 2021. We're not going to see any de-escalation at a minimum until sometime in the fall. And that could even change if somehow the mills don't get up and running and get, you know, get coil out. You would relate that to uh, gas prices increases? No, the gas prices increases are going to come mostly from the oil markets. I mean, you look at supply and demand and, you know, yeah, we, we went through a year where nobody was traveling, nobody was working, yeah, yeah. trains, buses. Once things start to open up and now the warm weather's coming, you know, you're going to start seeing the spikes in oil, uh, in oil futures. And that's going to affect the pricing of polystyrenes, polyamorates, mm-hmm. and anything based on the, uh, on the rigid insulation side. So you'll see those numbers starting to go up. Got it. And if you want to talk a little more about insulation, mineral wool, mineral fiber, whether it's uh, you're doing an ACM system or a curtain wall system, you know, mineral fiber right now is 150 days out. So anybody who's doing rain screen systems right now, you know, you've just got to be honest back to the owners. Like it's, we're not going to be able to do this right now. And one thing I have yeah. a major problem with our architects anymore, for some reason, are specking mineral fiber inside cavities, inside your wall cavities. Mm-hmm. I think it's because they think it says fire rated. They need it, but we can get a two hour rating, one hour rating with simple, you know, unfaced insulation. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm telling customers now to start pushing back on that. Start writing back. You know, if, if your design criteria is based on a one or two hour rating, we don't need this. We just need regular unfaced. Yeah. And especially if lead time's an issue, right? I mean, uh, if lead, lead time's time an issue, issue lead that's going to regardless of what products we have. Okay. Uh, what anybody in the industry has, but, Unfaced sound bats are a lot more easier to get and source right now than uh, anything sound attenuation uh, fire bat. Hey guys, it's Nick. I have a short message from our sponsor, MPC Builders. With well over 40 years of combined construction-related experience in both the residential and commercial markets, MPC Builders services the New Jersey and Philadelphia metro areas. Check out our website at mpcbuilders.net or you can call me directly at 856-217-1750 and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about your construction project. I got to say, man, you know, what you do, business development, I absolutely love. So can you see yourself doing anything else? No. Right. No, you're, you're, you're very good at what you do. And, and we connected, like I said, five plus years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be a little fun too, right? It is. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I look at myself more like a, more like a soldier than I do uh, mm-hmm. anything else. You know, they, uh, I would love to be in management one day, but at the end yeah. of the day, it's my success has been in production and just, you know, them kind of just saying, go, go do your thing, leave me alone and grow the business. Leave me alone. There it is. You do your own thing, man, and, and and you do it well. So what are you working on now? Like what projects would you I, I know there's a couple big projects going on in Philly. I'd love you to yeah. talk about a few of them that you're supplying right now. We're involved right now in the Laurel, uh the art house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're currently uh chasing um the Schuylkill Yards projects, Wexford Tower. There's some of the big ones, uh twenty two twenty two market. 
they're probably the largest jobs right now going on. We're involved in at least three of them and hopefully to be involved in all, hopefully all of them. I'm very familiar <laughs> with the Laurel. Yeah. And we've got a couple of mid-range projects as well. Residents of Bala Kinwood we're involved in. We're involved with uh, the Piazza with Post Brothers. Mm-hmm. Multiple, multiple multifamily dwelling units, whether in Jersey or PA. We're not slam busy. But we're staying steady. We're also involved in the Hamilton over uh, 2100 Hamilton, which, excuse me, 1520 Hamilton, which is a Hamilton 2 with McDonald Building and Dale Construction. Okay, awesome. What, how many stories is that? That is... You know, top of your head? 18 to 20. Yeah, gotcha. More of a mid-rise. Yeah. So outside of work, what are you passionate about? What are your hobbies? Golf. I know you like golf. <laughs> <laughs> if I can break that 24 handicap, I'd like it better, but that's just trying to <laughs> find too. time to actually get out. <laughs> I love golf. I love, uh, you know, baseball, football. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do is on a Sunday afternoon, go down to Citizens Bank Park and you know, watch the boys or take a customer during the week, go to dinner, yeah. game. It's something I've always enjoyed. Yeah. The playoff hockey's coming. That's always a, that's always fun, regardless of who's playing. That playoff is fun. Football. And this spring, uh, this spring weather, man. Oh, it's gorgeous. Baseball weather. It, doesn't it get you excited? Love it. Love it. You know. Me too. I hope it stays. Well, you know, with inoculations picking up and this, you know, this pandemic finally yeah. starting to, to, to wind down a little bit, hopefully sometime towards the later end of this year, we're, and somewhat a normalcy where people can just go live their lives and yep. safety. No, it's going to be a great summer. Probably one of the best summers that, that most people, you know, have ever had and or will remember just because of what we've been through that last year. There's a lot of people that haven't left their house in, in a I year, know. you know, and, no. and then people are just itching to do something. Yes. Yeah, man. I mean, the shore is going to be packed every weekend. <laughs> Which shore do you go down to? Cape May and Wildwood mostly. Cape May. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So if you were to ask, if someone were to ask that they want to get into construction, what would your advice be, you know, to them on how, on how to do so? Well, what aspect of construction do you want to get into? I mean, what do you like? Um, and then I would drive, yeah, yeah. you know, if they're a young kid, I would absolutely drive them to a trade or technical school. Yeah. Just to get, you're not going to come out an expert, but you're going to come out with at least a working knowledge of what the industry is and what you're expected to do. Williams is not putting out great mechanics. What they're teaching you is to be prepared. You get a basic knowledge of the industry. You get a basic knowledge of construction documents, the bid process, the legal process behind it, ethics. But they're really teaching you as, you know, every day you're at 645, clean shaven, and a jacket and tie with your with shoes have to be shined. Love it. Staying in attention with that flag going up. Mm-hmm. Oh, then you go to breakfast, and then you have a half hour of a non-denominational chapel based on Judeo-Christian values. And then from there, whether, you know, what year you are, you'll have four hours of either shop or classroom instruction. Mm-hmm. morning, lunch, four hours of classroom or shop instruction in the afternoon. And it's changed since I've been there. Now they, uh, they, you know, you, you have to be part of some sort of activity and that activity, whether, you know, you're playing a collegiate level sport mm-hmm. or you're part of some other on-campus activity. And they have, uh, I think from six thirty to eight every night is when they have to do that. Then they, um, the freshman or anybody on academic probation has mandatory study tall from eight thirty to 10. Got it. There's no reason for any kid to come out of there and not, achieving the highest grade point average possible for them because you have nothing other else to do. Yeah. When I was there, we were able to leave uh, as juniors and seniors and go do side jobs. They, mm-hmm. they changed that. They don't let them leave the campus anymore. Love it. But, no, I absolutely love it. Do you keep in touch with a lot of people that you went no, to school there with? Uh, some yeah. of them are my, some of my best friends. I bet. I made sure that after we graduated about, uh, about five years after we graduated, 
everybody kind of lost touch and I didn't like that. So I started organizing a, uh, a get together. Mm-hmm. So the get together started with a, a barbecue at my house to, Hey, every year now we go to right around Christmas. We got a, a guy we graduated with. He's actually a NACE level three inspector for Greenman Peterson up in the Queens. So he's been on the Verrazano bridge for five years. He's, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, he, we, we, we build it around him so he can drive three and a half hours down and the rest of the guys yeah. are really local. So Good we stuff. go out to a nice dinner and um, catch yep. up. And we try to get together sometime in the summer and some of us get together on our own. Love it. No, I, I can relate because I'm I'm the one that initiates uh, the old buddies, you know, got to get back together again, you know. <laughs> I can certainly relate. Something you said that Williamson does Contract documents, drawings. Do you guys get into that pretty deep? Yeah. You had a couple of semesters of CAD, a couple of, you know, we actually, when I was there, we actually had engineering design where we actually had to do blueprints ourselves. And I'm talking the old fashioned way where you get on that scrap paper and yeah. you've got Draw it out. this and, the, and yeah. you're, you're, you're drawing yourself and running mm-hmm. it through that ammonia machine to get an old fashioned blueprint. But, but as far as blueprint reading, it's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. Well, for blueprint reading, it's basic. It's just, you know, mm. understanding the difference between an architectural and electrical structural design, kind of navigating just to see what you're looking at. Yeah. You can do a thing where they teach you how to draw things in three days. So you can, yeah. you know, looking at the drawing, you can try to actually picture what it's going to look like as it's being built. Yeah. And then the contract documents. When we had the classes, you only had 16 subdivisions. Now you've got like 25. Right. But you get the basic aspects, you know, of your, your, your rough framing, your structural, your you know, your 0900s, your 500s, your 700s, just to know what, whatever trade you're in, you know what you're, you're looking for, what you're looking at, you know, understanding a dendum and dendi and understanding yep. how that The process. terminology. Yeah. yeah. Just understanding the process. Yep. I mean, I always thought that blueprint reading course and estimating courses were the most valuable from my experience. Yeah. You can't, you, teach, know, you can't teach someone to be an estimator, but you can yeah. teach them how to at least navigate and look for the information. Estimators are rare for, you know, and then now it's all, it's all digitized. So you've got yeah. kids that, you know, graduating with liberal arts degrees becoming estimators because it's all just on the computer and just teach them how to go back and forth on it and yep. figure it out. Yeah, man. Good stuff. So how could people get in contact with you? You want to share your social media and your contact information? Yeah, absolutely. Company, company yeah. website? Yeah. I mean, all my email and my cell were on my LinkedIn. So people can email me, call me anytime. You know, if I can be of assistance, um, whether it's an architect who has some design questions or wants to, you know, maybe check a limiting height on a on an interior partition so they're not overspecking the job. Yeah, there's just mm-hmm. cost, there's cost saving measures out there based on design that I try to help all the time. I mean, you got an architect building a um, you know a two floor fit out with no wind load at an L over three sixty at five. You're looking at them like whoa, twenty <laughs> percent mm-hmm. more into this than you need. Right. Uh, or, you know, putting in some $5 a square foot tile that they can probably find something a little less expensive with a similar aesthetic look. Right. And talk a little bit about your company. Like, what don't you supply? What do you supply? You want to, you want to share a little bit about that? Typically, anything a carpenter is going to touch, anything a finisher is going to touch, we supply. We, we have a wide array of uh, residential and commercial products. Anything from uh, rough framing, cold form framing, engineered lumber, insulations, ceilings. Mm-hmm. finished products. We have it. Tools, fasteners. You know, we're not a hardware store, so you know, I might not have a wide array of nuts and bolts, but yeah, you know, anything you need for framing, anything you need for hanging, we're going to have it. What's the website address? Uh, www.bellsupplyinc.com. Good and we stuff. Also, 
But we also have a WBE company, uh, Shore Supply, with the way women's business enterprises are being yeah. more and more. We are signed on with an OEO in the city of Philadelphia, recognized by the state of New Jersey. So it's, it's also something that's been coming into play big time. The last couple I, of years. I love that. I'm actually looking to partner with the WB right now. In fact, we've come to terms and it's going to happen. Yeah, it's good stuff. I love it. Anything else you want to share, man? Uh, it's so awesome that you uh, we were able to connect. I know we've been talking about this for some time and I I had you I had you on the docket. No, we finally what was it? We were at Naples having drinks uh, about like, <laughs> almost two and a half months ago. We're, no, sorry, it was right before the I, before the holidays. Yeah, it was a little longer now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. You know, it all it, the, the way this last year has gone from uh, yeah. making, making the move from Kent. Oh. Now it's been it's, it's foggy, right? Is yeah. it foggy? It's foggy. It's just like, well, where did it go? I'm frame everything. Uh, did I hear you? Now, the only thing I uh, also would want to say is, especially for general contractors like yourself, mm. don't overpromise delivery dates with your customers, your clients. As of right now, you could, if it's a 16, 16 week schedule, that could easily be a 25. Turnover dates are going to be affected because it's not just what I do, whether it's lighting, electrical finishes, everything has extended lead times. Trucking continues to be a major issue. Mm-hmm. Supply line disruption is very, very real. And pricing, pricing is through the roof. There's, there's no such thing as locked in pricing right now. Yeah. This is this is today's number. Uh, tomorrow's could be different. No, great share, man. And, and you know, I'm dealing with some of those things right now with, with lead time, with clients that I've had, you know, for some time. And I'm actually paying additional dollars just to hold those, the expediting costs just the whole because of my relationships with them but yeah it's just not it's not easy right now no to get to get those materials timely it's not easy it's not a fun time it's a very very aggravating and frustrating time but as somebody once said to me is we're not saving lives in here we shouldn't be getting this upset about anything it's just you know i don't like to live by this philosophy but right now it really is what it is and Mm -hmm. all we can do is deal with it Manage it accordingly. Yeah. Manage it and prepare people for it because, you know, we're living in the inner circle of Murphy's Law right now in this industry. Because whatever can go wrong is going wrong. No, man. Good stuff. I appreciate you being on. Thank you, man. And we'll have you back again soon. Thanks again, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it, Nick. Absolutely. Take care. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness Podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.